Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. of scripture is visited like the four lepers who would have dared dream that we were going to have all of that uncovered for us to just feast on then and continue to feast on tonight and and I'm thankful for that I appreciate the word of the Lord if you have your Bibles this evening my work is cut out for me in the book of Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 22 I appreciate the goodness of the Lord and for allowing us to be here again Tonight, amen, what a privilege that is, not something that we should ever dare take for granted. I was thinking today <coughs> that as the Suwannee River begins as just a swamp, sometimes of the year in certain seasons, that you can, in places and at times, just step across it, jump across it, certainly you can walk across it. But from that point until it empties out into the gulf, there are so many tributaries that run into it and join. Some of them are significant and they're named freshwater springs that are known all around the world, literally, that dot the banks of the river. But it's not so much those things. What I thought about today, we're aware of the rivers that flow into the Suwannee River and the freshwater springs that flow in the Suwannee River. But I was thinking today about the, the times that I've stood on the bank of the river in various places where you just see out of the side just a little trickle, just a little bit of water just pouring out. It doesn't seem like much. It doesn't seem significant. But when you add all of those together for miles and miles and miles and miles and miles and miles, it means something. It adds up to something. So tonight I want you to take something home with you. And so when you get home, I don't know if you're going to feel all the way full, three-fourths full, half full, or just a quarter full. I'm scared to go any lower than that. <laughs> I just have too much pride. Forgive me for going any lower than that. Just hold on to that. Because when you add that to this and this to that, and again and again and again and again, it will just add up to something in our lives. Amen. I was teasing about the pride. I hope you know that. Amen. The book of Galatians chapter 5 verse 22, the word we're going for tonight is the one at the very, very end. But the fruit of the Spirit, or the end of verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith. Amen. Tonight I want to use as my subject to go back to the fruit of the Spirit, this one attribute, faith. And uh, as we'll discuss in just a few moments, this word faith is not like faith when we think about faith, but it's faithful. And I want to talk about being faithful tonight, but not just about being faithful, but since we're reading from the writings of the great Apostle Paul, I want to just form a thought around his life, and I want to talk about being faithful to the end, to the end. Because a lot of people have started this race. Amen. But I plan on ending this race. And so I need to figure out how to be faithful to the end, not just here and now. May the Lord bless you and thank you for standing in honor to his word. The word faith here in this setting is used to define fidelity or faithfulness. It's about being punctual in performing promises that we have made and commitments that we have made. It's about being careful in preserving about a 
being careful about preserving the things that have been committed to our care. Hold on to this. Someone may have told you at some point in time, I want you to take care of this, watch after this. There should be a sense of soberness, a sense of, uh, a sense of responsibility to be faithful, to be conscious that we are in possession of something that belongs to someone else. Faithfulness that we're talking about is not the same thing as faith. And so I want to say it tonight this way. Faith is not faithfulness. Faith is not faithfulness. The inclusion of faith in the, the, the fruit of the Spirit that Paul is speaking about here tonight does not just merely talk about and refer to believing as we hear about faith described in Hebrews. Remember, if we must, that Paul was writing to the church, and I think that's so important to remember when we're reading the epistles. We need to understand the audience. And so Paul was writing to the church, and so he was writing about those that already apparently had the foundation of faith. They already had that much of their life together. The book of Romans said that God had dealt to every man the measure of faith, and so he's not talking about faith as in believing to trust uh, for salvation and things of that nature. And so some have mistakenly supposed that because they have faith, that they're automatically faithful. But that is not the case, and that is not true. Paul was instructing the church that manifesting the fruit of the Spirit is going to take more than just faith alone. Because there's a lot of people tonight, and I know this may not make a whole lot of sense to you right now, but there's a lot of people at home that tonight that have a measure of faith. But they're home tonight. Amen. They're somewhere else tonight. I'm not just talking about literally not in attendance, but they're just somewhere else. They have faith in God, but they're not faithful to the work of God, to the call of God, to the pull of God that may be upon their lives. I'm, I'm not just talking about people that are absent. Don't misunderstand me this evening. Paul was instructing that to manifest the fruit of the Spirit requires more than just faith. We're going to have to have faith to be saved, but if we're going to have the fruit of the Spirit manifested in our lives, this is, a, this is beyond being saved, then it's going to require some faithfulness. It's going to require someone that is conscientious about something that has been entrusted to us. Amen. We have been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And so if you have the Holy Ghost tonight, something has been entrusted to you, a gift, not to just save us or save you, but God has entrusted that gift, and that gift requires some faithfulness. I've mentioned this along and along throughout this study, but each aspect of the fruit of the Spirit, of course, builds upon the previous, one added to another. And so all of the other preceding aspects of faith are going to be dependent upon what we're talking about here tonight, and all of those that will follow are certainly going to be dependent upon what we're talking about tonight. And so all of the preceding aspects of faith that we have discussed in our study have very little value if there is no faithfulness in manifesting them. If we just have uh, one aspect of this manifest itself here and there every now and then, just kind of comes to light at certain angles, certain times of the day, they have no value if there is not faithfulness in manifesting them. And so what good would a fruit tree be if it just bears fruit inconsistently? If just every now and then you can depend on it. Some years it will bear it. Some years it will not. I would imagine that if that were the case in your literal life, that you would find something else to find, take that place, that spot of ground, that little piece of real estate. We would want something that we could go there again and again and again and realize that the gift that it is supposed to give, it will give. And in that, in that time and that season, it will be there. And so God expects faithfulness from things that are supposed to bear fruit. And tonight, you and I are supposed to bear fruit. That's what God has called us to do. The word faith found in Galatians 5 and 22 comes from the Greek word which means a moral conviction to the truthfulness of God. A moral conviction to the truthfulness 
of God. Amen. That's something that's way down deep inside. A moral conviction is something that you wake up with at 2 o'clock in the morning. It's not something that you put on like a garment if it's cold or if it's convenient, but it's way down inside. It is a reliance upon Jesus Christ for salvation. Amen. It is, there is a consistency in the profession of our faith, our hope and our trust and our confidence is built in Him. In other words, faith in the fruit of the Spirit is the consistent manifestation of the faith that brought you to salvation. I will tell you this, that what people really love and what they really find valuable in their life, they will, you will find them talking about that. You ever, met a, you ever met a grandparent that just happened to have a picture of their grandbaby? In this day of instant pictures and, and uh, things of that nature, it's certainly convenient, but you know, it, it didn't, grandparents didn't start carrying pictures of their grandchildren just because it was convenient. Because way back when, <laughs> when you had to take the film somewhere else to get it developed and it took days to get it back, they still had them in their possession because that was valuable to them. And so when you're around someone and you're in conversation with them, you won't have to be with them very long before what's of value to them will come to the surface, what's meaningful to them. And so when we have uh, a true faithfulness in our heart toward God and the things of God and the kingdom of God, that's not just things we talk about on Sunday or things we talk about on religious holidays or seasons, but it's just something that's on our heart and on our mind. You just don't have to talk about very much before somehow the kingdom of God and the work of God is all brought back into that. Specifically, then, we see that Paul is speaking of an individual's life of faithfulness in every area of his or her spiritual life. Faithfulness toward God. Faithfulness toward the blessings of God. Faithfulness toward others that God has placed in their life. When we think about God, when we think about the Lord, He is so faithful. Amen. There's one thing I think we can all agree on tonight. God has been faithful. God is faithful. He has been so faithful to me. In our times of utter and absolute despair, when we couldn't find an answer and when it seemed all hope was gone, and when the enemy would try to put out any flame of light in our life, there's one thing that we had settled in our heart. God has never let me down. I don't understand this. This makes no sense. And it seems like right now at this very, this very snapshot of time that God is a million miles away. But way down inside, I have a moral conviction that says God is faithful. He has never failed. He's never been late. He's never almost missed. He's, he's always been right on time. And so to help us understand faithfulness, I think that we ought to look at the faithfulness of God. And I realize that's a great big cornerstone. and a, that, That's a great big and a very, very tall uh, uh, benchmark. But there are many attributes, I think, that describe the character and the nature of God. If we were to talk about the Lord, and I'm sure this is not even an almost exhaustive list, but when we think about the attributes of the Lord, we think about love or peace or omniscience, His omnipresence, His omnipotence. I think about God's mercy. I think about His grace. I think about God's patience. And the list, of course, could just go on and on and on into the night. But as great as all of these are, they rest upon the center or the central thought that God is faithful in all of these aspects. He's not just merciful sometimes. Amen. What, what makes all of the aspects of God worth even talking about here tonight is the fact that they are all hinged upon his faithfulness. He could not be omniscient just sometimes. He could not be omnipresent occasionally. Amen. Who would serve a God that only answered prayers every now and then? Or who would serve a God that would only heal if he was in the mood to heal? Amen. I'm not trying to insult anybody's intelligence, but 
who would serve a God that would just save every now and then. You just kind of had to show up to church at the right time, right place. All the planets had to be in a line. Amen. What about a God that was your provider, but he only provided on certain days of the week? No one would be interested in serving a God like that, but everything that we talk about, his grace, he's always filled with grace. God's mercy, he's been faithful in his mercy. In God's provision, he's been faithful in his provision. He's always been there. And so for God to be God, he must, and he indeed is faithful. Amen. So here is, here is our pattern. Here is our example before us. Scripture declares the faithfulness and the reliability of God. Malachi 3 and 6, Malachi said, For I am the Lord, I change not. Oh, what hope there is in that. When, when I see what God has rendered in the lives of others, when I see what God has done in the lives of others, and then I read, For I am the Lord, and I change not. I realize that he just wasn't in the mood to do that that day or in that period of time, but he is God and he changes not. The writer of Hebrews declares that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so again to that I link to Malachi. And I say if the Lord has ever done it before, he can do it again. And if he's done it for anybody else, he can do it for me. He is faithful. God is faithful. Amen. He is faithful. God is faithful in his promises. God is faithful in his covenants. And so I think about probably the most uh, a scripture in Deuteronomy 7 and 9. Let's look, look at this. The Bible says, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God. Look at this. He is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Amen. The faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy. The faithful God. Amen. I, I don't know what has or would, would have gone through the mind of Noah or his family, bearing in mind that Noah's family, they were all grown. They were all adults. And so they had the ability to think. They had the ability to rationalize. And so... I don't know what must have gone through the mind of Noah and his family when they left the ark. Because if you think about it, they stepped out of the ark into or onto an earth that had been completely devastated, destroyed by a flood. Amen. By a God that said enough is enough. By a God that said I repent that I even made man by a God that said, I'm just going to wipe it all out. I'm going to erase the board and start all over again. Perhaps, just perhaps, in their humanity, because no matter how much we spiritualize them, I don't want to discredit their character or their testimony, but you know what? They were individuals just like us. They had feelings. They had fears. They had hopes. They had dreams. They had desires. Amen. Just like you and I. And so I have no doubt in their humanity. They just had to wonder down in their heart, amen, would God ever pour his judgment out on the earth or on humanity again? I know the rain has subsided, and I realize the promise of the dove, and, and, uh, and she is gone, and there's life, and we're stepping out. But in their humanity, did they wonder, would God ever do this again? God being God, amen, nothing hidden to God. He understood their fear. He understood their concern. Amen. This was not just contrived fear. I think this would be legitimate concern or fear. Amen. So then the Lord said in Genesis chapter 9 and verse number 12, This is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you. Now you're the only one that can rationalize. You're the only one that's intelligent enough to pray. You're the only one that communi can communicate with me. You're the only one that is made in my image. But he said, I'm going to make a covenant not just with you, but I'm going to make a covenant with every living creature that is with you. Amen. For perpetual generations. He said, I do set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. 
And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall be no more, and the water shall nor become a flood to destroy all flesh. And the bow shall be in the cloud, and I will look upon it that I may remember. This is the Lord who cannot forget anything. But He said, I am going to look at this, and I am going to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, This is the token of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is upon the earth. Now, I'm not trying to get up in your business here tonight, but when we see the rainbow and the clouds, when we see that, I know that it is somewhat stunning, and and, uh, we always think about generally the pot of gold at the end. The end seems like it's over there. If we could just drive over there. (laughs) Maybe that's where the gold is. I, 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 apparently that I'm the only one that's ever thought something so carnal, and so I'll just forgive, ask you to forgive me here this evening. But when we see that rainbow in the cloud, it's not our business to try to find the pot of gold, that, that proverbial pot of gold at the end. But what we ought to realize is that there may not be a pot of gold at the end of this, but I do know that that right there, amen, that's not just pizzazz. God's not just trying to bedazzle me. God is not just trying to say, let me show you something pretty after the storm. But I'm going to tell you what the scripture says. Amen. When the bow was in the cloud, the Lord said, I'm going to look at that bow. And I am going to remember. He said it multiple times. Hallelujah. And so when we see that cloud or that bow in the sky, we ought not think of anything, but I'm going to remember the covenant of God. And God is faithful. God is faithful. Now, I'm going to tell you that the book of Genesis wasn't the last time that man made God angry enough to destroy him. Amen. It wasn't the last time that God has been disappointed with his workmanship. It wasn't the last time that God has ever been fed up. But he said, this earth will never be destroyed with a flood ever, ever, ever again. And you just tell it to generations and generations and generations. And God has been faithful to his word. The rains come. Amen. And from what I understand, they're on their way tonight. But you can lay your head down on the pillow with this one thought in mind. Amen. This will never happen again because God is faithful to his word. Amen. It's a promise. It is a promise. Amen. And Simon Peter said in 2 Peter 3 and 9 that the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is faithful. God is faithful in our trials. Amen. Anybody here ever been tried? I mean, really tried. Pulled till you didn't think you could hold your breath anymore. Stretched until you didn't think you could take another mile. But we put our hands on 1 Corinthians 10 13. And I'm going to tell you, 1 Corinthians 10 and 13 has been a life preserver that has helped many of us that are in this house and those that are under the sound of my voice tonight. It is that it has been that one thing that has kept us buoyant enough. Amen. There has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation, amen, also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. When Abraham thought, I cannot do what God is asking me to do. Amen. What Abraham, what Isaac, brother, did not realize is that while he was making 
while he was making his way rather up that one side of the mountain God had a promise that was coming up on the other side of the mountain God had the answer to that prayer what God was asking of Abraham seemed impossible but he had a way of escape he had a way to be able to bear it he had an answer and so tonight I'm going to tell you how we can be faithful to the end is because God is faithful in our trials when we don't think we can go another mile amen when we thought it would swallow us up when we thought this is surely the end God will bring us out with a strong hand amen I, I am not wanting at all to be little or, or, or to reduce anybody's anything that anybody may be going through tonight because I know there are serious, serious circumstances that are represented right here in this congregation on this Wednesday evening. But I'm going to tell you when we go through and we read all that the children of Israel went through in Egypt's bondage, when we think about the heavy hand of Pharaoh, I think we would all have to agree that we haven't been here. But when they came through the other side, I want us to listen to the testimony. I want us to listen to the victory in their voice and to the triumph in their spirit in Deuteronomy 26 and 8 here's what the the children of Israel had to say and the Lord brought us forth out of Egypt with a mighty hand amen and with an outstretched arm and with great terribleness and with signs and wonders amen they didn't say we came out of there weak and anemic we didn't come out of there amen with our head down if you remember the exodus if you remember how they came out you will remember this that the Lord said go borrow gold and silver and garments and you put them on and put them on your children and when you come out of this you're going to come out of this amen when you walk out of here you're going to really walk out of here <laughs> hallelujah when you come out you're going to look like my children you're going to look like king's kids when you come out that's how you're going to come out God was faithful to his people then and he is faithful to his people now. That's God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness. Well, let's, think, let's think just a moment about our faithfulness. Since the spirit of the Holy Ghost that dwells within us is God's spirit, it is a faithful spirit. Therefore, in manifesting the fruit of the spirit, we must be faithful. We must be faithful to God in at least three areas. And these are three areas that I'm going to talk about here this evening, we've got to be faithful to God, we must be faithful to others, and we must be faithful in our responsibilities. Amen. Faithfulness, our faithfulness. Let's talk about our faithfulness to God. In Luke 17 and 5, here's what we hear. And the apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. Haven't we all been there? Amen. The disciples were now, here and now, expressing the same thing that you and I have expressed so many times. We feel that if we just had more faith, then I could be a better witness. I could do more for God. On and on and on and on, right? More faith. But what they needed and what we need was not more faith, but just more faithfulness. Amen. Jesus goes on in that passage to tell them that they have faith. But what they need is to go beyond what is expected of them. Go beyond. Faithfulness goes beyond duty. And faithfulness goes beyond obligation. Please remember those two words, duty and obligation. Faithfulness goes beyond duty. And it goes beyond obligation. And faithfulness responds out of love and gratitude. Praise the Lord. Just this past weekend at our men's conference, a pastor friend was <clears throat> telling me about a, an elderly man in their church that for some 30 years or so has worked for their church. And uh, he, he just was there every day just doing so many things. And he got was a, a rather elderly man and, and suddenly was taken away. Uh, some sickness came sort of out of nowhere and took him away. And he said, in all honesty, and he's only been gone just a few weeks, but he said, in all honesty, for the last several weeks, 
we have been discovering little by little things that he was doing that nobody knew he was doing. And so he said all, all of a sudden we realize that something is undone. And someone says, oh, well, brother so-and-so, he, he used to do that. And he was, and from a heart of true gratitude, this pastor was saying, I knew he did so much. And when he began to, to share those things, this, this just popped out of me. I said, you know, it is hard to replace people that don't count the cost. It's hard to replace those that don't say, how long is this going to take? How much is this going to cost? How far is I'm going to have to drive? How much energy or effort is this going to take? And so we're talking about a good old elder that just said, if that's what needs to be done, then we'll just take care of it. And, and he didn't call somebody and say, hey, I, I want you to know I took care of this. He was just seeing something that needed to be done, and he was taking care of that. And so I'm talking about that kind of faithfulness, not commitment, not obligation. I will do this if I have to. I will do this because it is my it falls under my job description or things of that nature. But something has to boil out of love. And something just has to say, you know, out of gratitude, I'm just going to do this because it ought to be done and it needs to be done. Hear me. Amen. That type of faithfulness keeps you committed even when the feeling isn't there. Now, I'm going to talk right where we live now for just a few moments. I hope I've been there all night. I hope I stay there, but I'm really going to get where we live for just a few moments. That kind of faithfulness keeps us committed even when the feeling isn't there. Now, I don't want you to get up and run, jump, and all that kind of stuff when I talk about this next few things, but sometimes we have been at church when we didn't feel like being at church. I don't mean because we had a fever and we were sick, or, but we just didn't. We just didn't feel it. But we just came anyway. Now, faithfulness based on an obligation or faithfulness based on a duty is one thing. And I know sometimes that there is no doubt in my mind that sometimes duty and obligation has kind of held us in the saddle to get us through a season. Amen? I'm trying to look around here and, and, and see who I can pick out and use them that I know won't get mad and leave. <laughs> anybody here that way but just sometimes it's a good thing we were obligated to a Sunday school class sometimes now we can't live our life on this I promise you that if you just try to live your life on duty and obligation after a while your ministry will be so hollow and so shallow it will be so meaningless it will be just tinkling symbols it will just be bells that mean nothing it will be clouds without water I promise you that. And so I'm not at all saying well, you just come on out of obligation. But I'm thankful that obligation held me sometimes. I'm thankful that obligation held me in the saddle till I could get through this season of my life. But after a while, I got to get back to that love. I got to get back to that, amen, that adoration. I just want to be here because I love the Lord. I want to do this because it's the right thing to do, that free flowing. Is that making any sense at all? And so sometimes it's good that we've got some sort of obligation, some sort of responsibility. And so tonight I don't want to just, uh, I don't want to extract anybody out of this illustration because you may not have a, a title in the church. Let me tell you, amen, you may need to be here because somebody's counting on you. You may need to be here because if I'm not here, I, I don't know what the person that I sit by or my friends are going to think. Thank God we have that obligation that holds us for a season of time. Amen. But I want pray, Lord, give me my inspiration back and give me my hope back. Amen. Lord, let me preach not out of obligation. Amen. I'm obligated to be here tonight, but I don't want to preach out of obligation. I want to preach out of inspiration. Amen. That inspiration, that inspired brand of the fire of God that would touch my lips, my heart, and then in turn touch yours as well. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you heard about the man that just told his, called his mom and said, I'm just not going back. 
I've had enough. I'm throwing in the towel. She said, you got to go back. She said, I'm not going back. The people there, they don't like me. They don't respect me. I'm just not going back. She said, you have to go back. He said, why? She said, you're the pastor. God for my mother. It wasn't. I'm teasing. <laughs> I'm teasing. Jesus considers. <laughs> Some of you are still not, not quite sure about that, are you? Jesus considers the individual who's busy and, and doing what the Lord has commanded. God looks for busy people, faithful people. I learned a long time ago. I was taught this in leadership training and things of that nature. If you want something done, find somebody busy and ask them. And there have been times that I haven't hardly had the heart to ask someone that I knew. We're already burning so many candles. But then you ask them, and lo and behold, Lo and behold, it will be done. I believe the kingdom of God operates much the same way. I believe God looks for people that are busy, faithful, and those that he are those that he will entrust. From Matthew 25, and for the sake of time, I will not read all these scriptures, but I'll just refer to Matthew 25, 14 through 20. And this is where God blessed men with talents. He gave them the treasures of the kingdom. And so he was expecting from that a profit on his investment when he returned. So the man with five talents and the man with two talents were considered faithful because they manifested their talents and they had, they had received an increase. But the servant who received one was considered, listen, unfaithful. Unfaithful and unprofitable because he hid his talent in the earth. I'm just going to hold on to this until he comes. His faith didn't matter. His faith did not even come into the equation at the Lord's return. His excuses did not matter at the Lord's return. What mattered was his lack of faithfulness. And so when God decides whom to impart things of spiritual value to, I'll promise you that he is looking at our faithfulness in all areas of our life. God is scanning the whole man. God is scanning the entire life. Areas of faithfulness to God. He is looking at our prayer life. God's considering our faithfulness to the word. He's considering our faithfulness to fasting. Not how faithful we will be if he calls us to this. Not how many chapters a day we'll read if he calls us to this. But God is looking at our faithfulness now. Amen. God is looking at our church attendance. God is looking at our giving of tithes and offering. God is looking at our ministry service. God is looking at our outreach. God is looking at our witnessing. He is looking at our faithfulness, our faithfulness. He's looking at that. So we talked about God's faithfulness. We talked about our faithfulness. Let's talk for a moment about our faithfulness to others because we do have a responsibility to those around us of responsibility to be faithful in every relationship that we have in this life. The Holy Ghost, which resides in us, is constant. It is a constant and faithful spirit. We are to manifest that same faithfulness and that same consistency to others around us. We ought to be faithful in our friendships. How many know that sometimes friendships comes with a price? Sure they do. Amen. There's a price to be paid but the Bible says in Proverbs 17, 17, that a friend loveth at all times. Proverbs 18, 24 said that a man, that if a man is, that hath friends must show himself friendly. You can't go around with a long face and then wonder why you have no friends. We got to reach out. You got to extend yourself and reach out there. We have to be faithful in our friendships. We have to be faithful in our marriage. The Bible says in Ephesians 5.31, For this call shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. And so faithfulness in a marriage is the only way that we can stay one flesh. 
We have to be faithful in the relationships that God has ordained in our life. Faithfulness produces purity in our marriage. Amen. And so the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 7, 27, Art thou bound unto a wife? Seek not to be loosed. Amen. When a man has found a wife, the Scripture says he's found a good thing. I think that would be reciprocal, don't you? Amen. That a wife has found a husband, he's found a, a good thing. Praise the Lord. We have to be faithful in our business relationships that extend beyond the church and the kingdom of God, the work of God. When the early church needed men to oversee the day-to-day business of the assembly, the Bible says that they sought out faithful men of a good report. Acts chapter 6 and verse number 3. The scripture says, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. And so here is a good report, or men who had a good report from within. And that is important, that we have a good report from within. But First Timothy, the, the Bible says in First Timothy 3 and 7, Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without. And so it's a double-edged sword. One is as important as the other. And so it's not just enough that we have a good report in the church and people that we go to church with think we're the greatest thing that ever happened. Amen. But we got to have a good report of those that are outside of the church. It matters what people think of you when you walk in here. But you know what? It, it matters just as much what people think of you when you walk in a restaurant or when you walk in the hardware store. Amen. Or when you walk, wherever you walk in, it matters just as much what they think about you right then and right there. Amen. The Bible, the Bible in, in, in John, 3 John 12, talks about a man here who had a good report of all men. All men. That's all-encompassing. That's pretty broad. Doesn't limit that report to just those that are in the church. They think that he's wonderful. But it said that all men thought well of him, both in and out. When the queen of Sheba came to visit Solomon, she made mention of his good report that she had heard. Amen, yes. She hadn't even been there yet. And she had heard a good report of Solomon. So it wasn't just what those within Solomon's kingdom and within his reach, what they thought of him. In 1 Kings 10 and 6, she said to the king, it was true, it was true that I heard in my own land of the acts of thy wisdom. It was true. Amen. She said, I have heard all of this. And, and we know that she ultimately said, and the half has not even been told. I heard some things about you. And I want you to understand tonight that people hear some things about us. They know some things about us. And so I want to have a good report within and without. Praise God. And so everybody on the outside can think we're wonderful. But if those that we worship with know better, we've got problems. Everybody in the church can think we're wonderful. But if everybody that we do business with in the world knows better, then we've got problems. We ought to be the same on Monday that we are on Sunday. Whether we have a tie and a coat on or not. Amen. We ought to be the same whether we have a Bible in our possession or not. The Spirit of God ought to be faithful. Amen. The rewards of faithfulness. God has never asked anyone to be faithful that he did not reward their faithfulness. Let me just give you just a few quick bullet points if I may. Abraham was faithful to the Lord, and he became the father of many nations. Moses became the deliverer of Israel and was was the greatest leader of men that the world has ever known. Where did he get that title? He was faithful to God. He did what God asked him to do. It was an uncertain time and in an uncertain season and an unorthodox fashion, but he was faithful to God. David established in the lineage of the Messiah through faithfulness. Simon Peter preached the birthing message of the New Testament church. With all of his failings, he was faithful. When he failed, he went out and went bitterly. When he did wrong, and then he repented before the Lord. John ultimately left Patmos for that place that he had visions of. Why? Because he was faithful to God. Amen. The Word of God emphasizes the rewards of faithfulness. 
I'll just read a few. These are not on the screen. Psalms 31, 23, For the Lord preserveth the faithful and plentifully rewardeth the proud doer. Solomon said in Proverbs 28, 20, A faithful man shall abound with blessings. He shall abound with blessings. I'm going to ask our musicians, if they will, to make their way to the platform this evening. Perhaps in the full scope of all things, no one exemplifies faithfulness in the life of a believer any more than the Apostle Paul. And it is from his pen and his writings that we are studying tonight, Ephesians 5, 23. Here's a man qualified to pen these words. He's qualified to ask this of us. He's qualified to say, this is what you ought to be. This is what you ought to do. This is how you ought to act in. This is how you ought to act out. I mean, here was a man who went from fiercely faithful against this supposed heresy of Christianity to becoming the very pillar of Christianity. A man who never, ever, ever saw himself where he wound up. He never envisioned himself as we envision him. When we have visions of grandeur when we think about the Apostle Paul, but this is not how he saw himself. By his example and by his written written words, we are... We're given insight to the heart of a faithful man. Paul said, he said, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for he hath counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. I think it's important to understand that that when he said this, he had already proven himself to be faithful to the Lord. He knew that what it was like to be faithful in seasons of adversity of life and and even seasons of adversity of ministry. What, What one of us have not had our heart stirred to its very core when we read about Paul being so blunt and honest about his relationship with God and the highs and the lows. When we when we just think about Second Corinthians eleven for just a few moments. I'm going to read several scriptures here, beginning with verse 23. Paul said, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, saved one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice was I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. In weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Beside, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily. The care of the churches. He's talking about Natural things that he fallen. He thinks about the cares of the churches and 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 who is weak. And he said, "And I am am I not weak? Who is offended? And and I burn not. If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern my infirmities. Our faith, our faith. When we look at what Paul said, he has been through. And I I believe, friend, that's just a snapshot. I truly think that." that it's just a thumbnail sketch of Paul just mentioning a few things that he encountered in his life. Our faith is not proven of whether or not we believe God for answers or whether or not we believe God for deliverance, but our faith is proven in what we do until that answer comes and until that deliverance comes. What are we going to do in the meanwhile? In the meanwhile. We've got prayers that have been prayed. We call them unanswered prayers, and I get that. That's, that's our title for it, and I get that, and I'm not being condemning. But what are we going to do? What are we going to do until the answer comes or until the deliverance comes? That's what God's looking at. How are we going to handle this? Paul well knew that being faithful to God had an ultimate reward. Only a man truly convinced, truly convinced 
of the truthfulness of God, the faithfulness of God, and his faithfulness to God could pin the words to his own eulogy. We have borrowed them again and again and again and again. But as we stand tonight, I'm going to read them one more time. This was not a man on an ego trip. This was not the words of a man that was full of himself, but this was a man who was confident of his God. And he says this, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Faithful all the way to the end, not kicking and screaming, not cursing God, not asking God why. He wasn't looking at the scars in his own body with any ounce of regret. He said, I'm, I've made it. I've come to what I've worked so hard for. I have the feeling. Just give me a little attitude here. But I have the feeling, the feeling that if the Apostle Paul could just say anything to us here this evening, he would say this, Go thou, and do likewise. Go thou and do likewise. What are we going to do, Paul? Just be faithful. Just be faithful. Just be faithful. Amen. Faithful to the end. That's what God is looking for in us. The fruit of the Spirit. One aspect of that fruit is just to be faithful. I'm going to be diligent in whatever God allows me to put my hands to. I'm going to give it my all. I'm going to tell you how I feel, and I'm sure that I'm not alone in this feeling. But if we're going to do something for God, not for show, not, not showboating, but if we're going to do something for God, it ought to be our absolute and utter best. Our very best. Amen. Our very best. We ought to offer to God nothing less than we would want ourselves. Amen. I want to give God the very best. Amen. Where you stand, would you make that an altar this evening? And could we worship the Lord in this song? Amen. Let God touch our hearts here this evening. In the name of the Lord, in the name of This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.